Okay, this is a translation of Psalm 23. this one that was beautiful thank you thank you guys um so we're, we're in the middle of a little um this month we're talking about doubt after the sort of uh joy and exuberance of easter um where it's all good uh the first the first thing that happens is jesus disciples friends family were um full of doubt uh well, actually started a little earlier than that but so we've been exploring that um, in relation to uh, not just doubt about the objective truth or falsehood of religious claims, but doubt in a sort of more existential, felt bodily sense of uh, trust in life, trust in uh, things are going to work out, things are okay where I am right now. So um, the reading, the liturgical calendar prescribed some very interesting uh, readings this week about um, uh, these images of how uh, Jews and Christians have um, gotten that felt sense of uh, trust, of meeting our doubt where it is in their head and body and bones. And this psalm, uh, I think, does that well. I want to play for you, though before I talk a little bit about it and we have a conversation, um, a version of that psalm that I found that is really beautiful. Um, I wish I had the lyrics to project, but it's by Bobby McFerrin. You know, the don't worry, be happy. It's not don't worry, be happy, although that would be good too. Um, it's that guy. And he changed the lyrics a little bit. So um, you'll, you'll hear, but listen for the gender pronouns used for the Lord, my shepherd. Um, and I just thought it was a beautiful kind of thing to, uh, to, to hear. So, get ready. Thank you. 
So I had the idea that we could we would try to sing that, but um, Allison, because she loves me, was like warned me that that would not go well with my voice. So um, I was like, we can do it, but maybe someday we can try. Um, what I love about that is the is like I know I know um, is like the the and people who know music might say this in a better way, but Allison kind of alerted me to it, it's like the harmonies of the lines, like they're like tight, they're like the notes are very close and almost dissonant, but not dissonant. But then toward the end of each line, they kind of like blossom out and separate in these kind of fascinating, changing ways, which I don't know, I think that's a really beautiful image. Um, so, okay, so we've been talking about doubt. Last week, Tim um, uh, said, some interesting things about doubt. Um, one, he said that, uh, he talked about kind of our modern condition, how um, there was a time in history when God, when, when uh, a benevolent, loving creator who kind of holds everything, holds uh, reality itself in love and holds our lives in love, um, when there was a time when that was just taken for granted, when people would grow up um, uh, hearing uh, stories about this God. Um, it was as real as uh, if, if someone had you know, told you about um, your grandpa who passed away or, or your uncle who lives in another town. There was this um, benevolent, loving, just um, authority kind of giving meaning and purpose to all reality. That Tim said that uh, today we don't, we don't have that. That's not sort of a given anymore. Um, you know, intellectual history, change in, in how we get information about the world um, through the scientific method, through um, atrocities in the 20th century have shaken that, uh, that faith. Um, 
Tim said that because he grew up in a kind of um, more Christian, like evangelical household, that for him, God wasn't in question, that even when he got um, in some low places, he would be like, yo, God, what's up? Like, like still appeal to, to God. Um, and uh, I thought that was fascinating. That's very different from my experience, from my background. I was not raised in that kind of house religion. It's not a part of the story of my family, of what we, what we cared about, what was real. So I don't have that sense. But I also, I also am encouraged because one of the thing that, things that appeals to me about Christianity as a sort of spiritual home, um, I think there are other great options, but that's the one I've kind of, where I've decided to pitch my tent, is that I think it um, gives us, um, tells a story about how, uh, even if we've grown up hearing about God, even if God is sort of becomes part of the furniture of our cosmos, um, or the foundation where the furniture sits on top of, um, that it sort of takes for granted in a lot of places in the Bible, at least, that our default setting is to be an atheist. Our default setting is to um, worship not God. To whether it's in the Hebrew Bible, they're talking about. Um, you know, even after God helped the, the Israelites escape Egypt, they pretty quickly start worshiping a golden calf, something that they can see, something that they can touch. This God that is invisible um, yet near is too, um, too intangible, too hard to get your hands on, too hard to have faith in. Um, and you see that kind of over and over again, that... that uh, um, God creates, God gives, and people are like, oh, that's nice. And then pretty quickly, our default setting is to um, not trust that uh, that will be provided for, that, that, that what we have is enough, that, that what our lives will amount to will be enough. Um, the other, the other uh, readings for this week, I just want to, I'm not going to read them all, but they're, they're pretty interesting. I was talking about these images. So in the psalm, we have this, beautiful shepherd image that I want to uh, go into a little, in a little bit, but just to give you a quick um, taste, the Bible is full of images for God, this invisible thing, so like visual images for something that's invisible. So one of the and, and um, the image is, uh, I'll just read it. This is talking about like how it's all going to end up. They will hunger no more and thirst no more. The sun will not strike them, nor any scorching heat, for the lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd. And he will guide them to springs of the water of life, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. So you have that shepherd image, but you also have God as wiping away every tear from our eyes. The other reading was also a shepherd. They kind of group these. This is from John. My sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. What my Father has given me is greater than all else, and no one can snatch it out of the Father's hand. The Father and I are one. So here we have this image of God being the one who's wiping away our tears, and there God is holding us in a way that um, no one, nothing can, uh, can sort of break that hold. Um, so in the, in the email, I was thinking about what I, what I wanted um, what I wanted to, to 
if you were listening to me talk, what I want you to leave with. Um, and when I was thinking about um, doubt and trust, uh, I kept, my mind kept coming back to the back, coming back to the back. Um, has anyone been to the Green Mill uh, Jazz Club? You live by it. Have you seen Al Capone's booth or people talked about Al Capone's booth? Um, so for those of you who know, does anyone know, what, what it, hey Chris, do, what do we know about Al Capone's booth or what have you heard about it? Like what, where it's positioned? It's where you can see like the front and the back Exactly, you can see both exits. So he's kind of sitting back, like his back is against the wall. He also has some bodyguards watching the sides, but yeah, he can see if anyone's gonna come in with the Tommy gun and then he had a secret way out. Um, the bat, like, what, like there's this weird thing about human beings that, um, unlike birds, which can kind of see 360 degrees almost, um, and even cats, I think they can see like 200 degrees. Our field of view is like at most 180. That means there's always half of reality that is invisible to us that we can't see. And I think there's something very deep in us that is um, kind of on, on permanent alert, kind of uh, built to, um, Built to feel a little anxious, built to feel, to be looking around the shoulder. I, uh, I went on a camping trip once with a, a friend. Um, this was many years ago, like right after college. And she didn't have a lot of experience camping. She, um, you know, it was like rugged camping. So we're out in the woods, northern Minnesota, dark. Um, she knew that bear, like there were bears there. Um, and, you know, you go to the bathroom in the woods in this, uh, latrine that's just like a little stand, a little pot, <laughs> sort of in the in the ground. And she went to the latrine, and I remember. Then all of a sudden, I saw this like flicking light that was going. It was like a lighthouse, but uh, in fast forward, like um, uh, or like a crazy disco light. She she had a flashlight, and she was like like trying to go to the bathroom and, and permanently like, like illuminate in a 360 degree fashion everything, the woods all around her um, because she thought that would prevent like a bear from sneaking up on her. Um, and uh, I think that's sort of a good, that's a good image for what we are like a lot. We're a sort of anxious, um, uh, sort of originally doubting self is like, uh, kind of spending a lot of time always looking around, like thinking about what, uh, is there something I haven't checked, something I haven't missed, you know, in an extreme form, this can be, become a kind of obsession, obsessive compulsive disorder, but like all the disorders, um, I think we're all kind of on the spectrum. So I think a lot of our minds are kind of flashing around. Um, wouldn't it be great if we could trust that even though we can't see what's behind us, sort of uh, what's in front of us, we can't see much, um, that uh, we wouldn't ha Imagine how much energy, how much life, how much little, literal brain space would be freed up if we weren't doing this. Um, I think when the Bible talks in all these fancy ways about faith and doubt, that's what it's talking about. It's talking about how to free up uh, our lives, how to free up our, um, our hearts, our energy for what's right in front of us, for what, what's happening right now. Um, 
even when it's talking about something uh, uh, crazy and far off, like Revelation, like, like the hereafter, or what it's going to be like in heaven, the goal is not to be like, oh, cool, I'm going to spend a lot of time like, thinking about how heaven's going to be sweet. It's to get us to chill out a little bit. Oh, by the way, this is um, <laughs> Robert, uh, who plays bass for us sometimes, made these shirts, which I think is really great. Um, Sometimes I think of Ch Chicago as kind of a not very chill place, but we're reclaiming it. So that's what. It, so even when it's like, "Yo, heaven's gonna be like, like, don't worry so much about death." Um, the point isn't so we can anxiously await this good thing later. It's so we can be less anxious and fully here, fully alive now. That's covered. Um, so uh, does anyone know? Does anyone? Uh, a fan of Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, if you're a nerd, you read that. Do you, do you know the, the ravenous bug bladder beast of Trawl? You're nodding your head. Do you know what it does? Do you remember what it's like? So it's, uh, it's a mind-bogglingly stupid animal. It assumes that if you can't see it, it can't see you. Like if it just closes its eyes, like anything it can't see doesn't exist. Um, and I think that's kind, of, that's kind of also what we're in. It's not just like, we're afraid of the guy with the machine gun coming in. It's like, if we can't see it, it's not trustworthy. It doesn't exist. Whoops. Um, so, I was saying, what do I, what do I want uh, to leave you guys with? What would I want to hear if someone were talking about doubt and trust? I think I would want uh, two things, maybe. One is I would want, and maybe you don't want this, maybe you want something else. I would want a felt sense of reassurance. I would want um, someone to kind of uh, give me a reliable uh, pitch for why things are going to be all right, for why I, I don't need to be an anxious flashlight uh, 360 dance party in the woods. Um, Second thing I think I would want is maybe something, um, something practical, something I could do, something I could practice to uh, feel that trust more, to feel less doubtful. So okay, so that's that's what I'm going to try. I'm going to try to do both of those things. That's the challenge, and you can tell me if I can succeed. I probably won't, but I'll try. Uh, the first one, okay. So I want I would want someone to to buy their with their words give me a sense of uh, a faith of trust, uh, of more faith and more trust. Well, there are a couple ways to do that. One, I could just assert it, which is, I think, what a lot of religious people do. They're like, it says it right here. It says it in the Bible that there is a God. It says it that there was, God came to earth to be with us in Jesus, and yeah, he died, but then he came back. Isn't that great? And just kind of say that and kind of say it over and over again, assert it. Regina and I have talked about assertion. Didn't you get in trouble? in school for like asserting something and not arguing. And I was like, oh yeah, you can't just say like, Aristotle is cool. You have to like give reasons, right? Um, and you have to argue for it. So that's another thing I could try to do. I could say, I'm gonna persuade you. I'm gonna give you, um, a, I'm gonna appeal to your, to your reason, uh, maybe your experience, um, and, and give you a sense that uh, even though, yeah, there's a lot of evidence for why, why things are not uh, reliable, um, why things don't all work out in the end. Um, here's why you should, and I'll give you some reasons. I don't think that um, 
is going to work. I've, I've tried to reason my way into that myself, and it um, usually just leads to more anxiety, <laughs> some frustration. Um, the third option that occurred to me is I could testify to it. I could, I could say, um, I have experienced uh, radical doubt, but I've also experienced radical trust, radical faith. Um, and that would not necessarily, that may not be enough, but when I think about when I'm feeling kind of pretty doubtful, one of the things that helps me is I have brushed up against other lives, I've encountered people, I've read, um, I've encountered other souls uh, through things I've read. Um, I happen to think that the Bible is best thought of as testimony, as people's uh, sort of first-hand accounts of brushing up against these ultimate things. Um, so I, I, I think testimony of a reliable witness can help. So what would make someone a reliable witness? That's a question. What would make someone a reliable witness? So like, what would make someone believable to you um, that, yeah, things are going to be okay? I think I would need to persuade you, I would need to tell you that um, somehow you would need to feel that I have felt not necessarily your exact version of doubt or your exact version of adversity, but um, a version that you can see your own experience in. Um, but then I would also need to give you a sense that uh, there's a way out of the hole. Like there's, like, there's, a, there's something after um, or, or in spite of that. So that's, that's a tall order and I'm not sure I can do that. But I think it relates to the second thing I was hoping to, to uh, you could leave with and then I'm gonna, um, which is, uh, something you can do, something you'd practice. So a brief, a little brief testimony. When I first got into this whole spirituality religion thing, I was, very, I was pretty skeptical of it. I remember I had a friend in college studying uh, Yoruba religion in Cuba, um, uh, like Candomblé, like uh, um, this sort of mix, cool mix of West African and indigenous and a little bit of Christianity sprinkled in religion. She talked about these religious experiences and I was like, um, it sounds like, like, are they just hyperventilating? Like, is religious experience just shortness of breath and like you feel this, they're very high? Um, that was my attitude to, to like, to religion. Like that it was sort of like, uh, um, until I sort of had my own religious experience, um, which to me, um, there's a lot I could say about it, but one of the things I'd say about it is I wasn't like, in a church, I wasn't a Christian, I was just, it was just a felt sense of like, oh, people talk about God. When people use the word God, I know what they mean now. I know what they're talking about. It's not BS, it's not hyperventilation. <laughs> Although, you know, like, you know, maybe that helps. Um, the, one of the ways I would describe that feeling was um, kind of like this psalm. It was, a sense that 
I could lean back. Remember that night, that song, lean back, that hip hop song? It was, like, <laughs> it was like a sense that I could lean back and sort of do a little trust fall into these arms I didn't see. That like I could, I could, fall, I could fall backwards and a loving presence was at my back. Some, someone had my back. I didn't know what that was. It wasn't like God is, you know, I didn't know the Bible. It was, it was just like, it was like a pretty felt sense and, and, and an awareness that, whoa, I spend a lot of my damn time looking behind me, worrying. Um, and after I had that experience for a long while, I could just kind of do my own, little, it was like my own version of meditation or prayer. And it was literally a physical, I didn't actually like <laughs> do it all, all backwards, but it, it was kind of in my mind, that image of like, oh, and I could do that. I could do a little mental leaning back and it worked really well. And I could be all this energy and attention and, and vitality was freed up. I could be where I was. I could, I could see beauty in like a parking lot. I could see, um, I had uh, compassion and love that I didn't even know I could, could have. That lasted for a while. So when I was trying to think, what can I give uh, people listening? I was like, you should all try this, all practice, just like leaning back, it'll be great. You know, like in the morning, in the, in the evening, lean back. Um, and that, that might work sometimes. I think that's, that still works sometimes. But increasingly, as I've gotten older, that doesn't work as, as well. Um, I know too much about the world. I know too much about how unreliable and untrustworthy reality can be. And increasingly, the kind of spiritual practice that does work for me is something more like this psalm, or a lot of the psalms. A lot of the psalms say stuff like, the Lord is my shepherd, so let's lean back. Do you know how a shepherd actually shepherds sheep? We don't live in an agrarian society anymore, so these images need to be kind of like reactivated. Has anyone seen how they do this? Well, YouTube will tell you, <laughs> will show you, that uh, um, rather than, uh, the, you know, think about it. So if a shepherd were just walking, be like, come on, sheep, follow me, do you think they would fall? Like, they'd be like, we're gonna do it. What you do is you, you're behind them, and you have the, the sheepdogs kind of like, you kind of this, this uh, you got their backs, that you kind of are like at their backs and, and guiding them, um, not off a cliff, which can happen. So, so when, when, God's, when the, the psalmist says, the Lord is my shepherd, they're just kind of saying, God's got my back. Wherever I am right now, I can trust where I am because there's been someone kind of behind the scenes before I had where I can see kind of like, um, yeah, w like watching, seeing, uh, leading. But then the psalm goes on to say those famous lines which are here translated differently, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. So all of a sudden it's not like this beautiful green pasture. I love that lying down on the meadows. Again, like feeling the back, the green warm meadow on your back, literally you're lying down. Um, but then suddenly there's this acknowledgement that that's, um, that doesn't always work, just kind of like, I'm going to summon a beautiful visualization of uh, a peaceful, calm place. Um, that's going to require more strain of denial if your situation is not like that. What, what the Psalms 
can help us practice is rather than summoning on our own this kind of, uh, there's this irony, right? I am going to summon someone at my back. I am going to summon the feeling of security. That's still something you're doing. Um, it doesn't, it's denying the fundamental reality that we, we are not all powerful. We can't do that. Like, like there, are, there are things about uh, life, about existence that we cannot master and including our own maybe sense of well-being, our own sense of trust. Um, we're not masters of our own emotions, of our own moods. What the psalm does is help us see that, help us say help, help us say, could you get my back, please? Could you be here? Um, Jesus is supposed to have our back, Christ. Um, you, all know, you all know the story. Um, all these people who were supposed to have his back didn't at the end, like when, when stuff got really bad. Uh, people who said, I'm going to be with you no matter what. I don't care that people are trying to kill you. I've got you. We're here. Um, they were all peace. You know, they, they, they chickened out. Um, in spite of that, Jesus of Nazareth, we're told, uh, didn't stop having their backs, didn't stop having uh, humanity's back. Um, even though not only all of his friends and disciples abandoned him, didn't have his back, but he felt on the cross that God didn't have his back, his father didn't have his back anymore, um, and yet still uh, uh, didn't didn't give up. Um, it occurs to me that the kind of reliable witness that can help us, uh, who's, who, where we can actually feel that they have our back, is when um, they know what it's like to not have their own back backed. Um, and you see this amazing thing, and this is historically true, regardless of what you believe about the sort of seemingly supernatural claims of Christianity, we know historically that there was a man named Jesus of Nazareth who died this humiliating death, kind of alone, that his followers were scattered and terrified. Um, and yet afterward, not too long afterward, there was um, this thing called the church that grew up, blossomed, um, that did things that are very unusual that did things that exhibited a kind of trust in ultimate reality being okay, that um, led them to stand up in the face of persecution, of empire, um, to stay committed to building these communities of love even under that kind of threat. It's very weird that before he died, they didn't trust it. And afterwards, even though he was gone, they did. Something happened in between to give them a sense that, oh, the creator of all things is got my back. Doing a church can feel uh, very stressful. Um, it can sometimes feel um, when like all these seats are full and it's good when uh, you know it feels like happy and then when it's a little less full or whatever when your mind goes wandering you can start to get worried about all the things you can't see, the future. Are we gonna become self-sustaining? Are we gonna become, are we gonna be a flash in the pan? Um, are people gonna lose interest? Are we gonna move away? <laughs> Justin, um, are, are uh, <laughs> uh, you know, that's, that's life, we're, we're young. Um, are we gonna be able to find meaningful ways of 
serving the community, meaningful, exciting ways of bringing more people into this space. Um, it can make me feel, uh, yeah, like very anxious. Um, especially when I think only about myself and my ability to do it. But when I think about um, the fact that this church has a lot of backers, a lot of people who've got its back, it's not just me, um, that we have people who show up early to set up in this kind of invisible way, <laughs> people who show up early to um, make food at dinner church, like delicious food, again, in a kind of hidden, unseen way. Um, people who get the bread, make the bread, and, and greet people. Um, we have leaders, like people who've like stepped up and say, I'm gonna spend more time, um, go to like a leadership meeting, and where we sort of look into the invisible future. Um, it's mind-boggling to me, and it, it actually, um, it almost instantly chills me way out. <laughs> um, that, uh, and not only that, I mean, I've just felt, I've seen and heard stories and felt people who are going through shit in their lives here, um, showing up for someone else uh, who's experiencing loss or uh, stress or worry or loneliness, um, that uh, it's, These, visual, these visualizations, I was gonna make us all do a visualization of the psalm. I think that's important that we practice this, but also, um, dang, is it easy to forget all the people who've got our back already around us. Um, and that helps me trust more. Amen.